Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you back to another interesting edition to Colts Coffee and Conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed MLab. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Once again, Holly, thank you for sharing your personal experiences. You're welcome. Excellent. We do appreciate that. Now, before we get into the deep, dark conversation of who we're talking about, we must first do a few things. One, the disclaimer. We are just normal, standard, bystander people. We go to work every day. We now work Monday through Friday. Woohoo! Yay! Hooray! But yes, very grateful. Anyway, we are just normal people. These are our personal opinions. This is for entertainment purposes only. If you don't like it, you can just shut us off. But if you do love us, please give us five stars. You can reach us on any device that has podcast uh, icon. We are there at Colts Coffee and Conversation. Please rate us five stars. Please, I'm begging you, leave feedback. We are craving feedback. We want to know what you think. We want to know what you like. We want to know even what you dislike. I'll admit it. I Fine, I'll read the ones that are negative. I don't care. But let us know. We need the feedback. Anyway, if you want to reach us, we do have, of course, our fan book. Fan book? Facebook fan page at uh, Colts Coffee and Conversation. We have our Instagram, Colts Coffee Convo. We have our Twitter at Colts Coffee Con 1. That's C-O-N is a Nancy 1. And, of course, we have Colts Coffee Combo at gmail.com. And, of course, we do have the voicemail, Holly. Yes, well, you can get your voice memo on your iPhone. It is mm-hmm. an iPhone world. We're only renting. Mm, yes. That's what you said. Samsung's only renting. That's correct. Oh, is that right? Yep. Okay. Anyway, you get your voice memo. You can... Make your comment and send it off using our email. At ColtsCoffeeConvo at gmail.com. That's it. Alrighty, okay. You ready to get into these lovely people? I think so, but one more thing we need to do. What is one more thing we need to do? Oh, yes. Before we get into the conversation, before we talk about our next cult, we must discuss our coffee. Holly. What coffee are you partaking today? I have an iced caramel macchiato. Oh, I guess we're on the iced car because I'm having just a straight up iced coffee with milk. Mmm, plain, delicious, no sugar. Mmm, life is good. Alrighty, enough with the coffee. Let's get into the conversation about our cult. Are you ready, Holly? I am ready. Alright, let's talk about these two people that I totally do not like. I'm not a fan of these people, even when they were doing good or they in their prime. They creep me out, quite frankly. We're going to be talking about Tony and Susie Alamo. Ooh, and the Tony Alamo Foundation. Well, originally it was the Tony and Susan Alamo Foundation. Yes, but of course in modern times, modern days, it's the Tony Alamo Foundation. We will break it down piece by piece now. We're going to be doing it differently. We've uh, had doing this different type of format. Normally, we, of course, we did the Wild Wild Country. Kind of just kind of did an overview of it. A little little bit of digging here, a little bit of digging there. We're kind of going to go that route, not more of the Jonestown or the M-Lab. There's a special right mm. on Sundance yes, Channel. that's correct. We are watching the special on the Sundance Channel. I highly recommend that you watch it. I believe it's called the Ministry of Evil. I believe it's what yes, it's, it's actually hashtag Ministry of Evil. Oh, hashtag Ministry of Evil. That's what we're going to be covering, guys. Uh, we're going to go, of course, every week. We're going to do our commentary on this, of course. We've watched it at least twice. Really plain and simple, to be honest with you. 
it's not a lot going on as far as uh, when we're, we're comparing uh, cults here with Wild Wild Country. There was a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. It's a lot of background, a lot of stuff. These guys are pretty much plain and simple. We're going to get, of course, into the early life a little bit as well. We're kind of just going to go play-by-play play what we saw on television. Of course, I have some very entertaining and uh, sarcastic things to say about these folks. Yes, we would like to go deep into them, but I think what we're going to do is just go by episode by episode off of the special. Yes. And then on our wrap-up show, if we feel that there's some things that need to be brought out, mm. we can do that. Absolutely. All right, so here we talk about Tony and Susie Alamo. Yes. All righty, okay. So, special starts. Of course, I'm excited. Are you excited? I am. Is? I was very curious. Needs to say a few of our fans uh, actually told us uh, that we had to do this. Uh, that we do have a couple people that do listen uh, that we know in person and that are quite fans. We do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, it was brought to my attention uh, via text and also in person. And the funny thing is, is that even Holly texts me this as well, all within a span of about a few hours. <laughs> so, yeah, needs to say we got a bunch of good fans out there and Holly's on top of it as well. I was like, huh, I've never heard of these people before. Oh, I have. Oh, you have. I haven't. I was like, who the heck is this guy? One looks like a strung out looking Janis Joplin and another one looks like a fat Elvis. So I was like, okay, this nice little picture that was sent to me, it looked super creepy. All right, let's take a look. Well, before we get into the show on the Sundance, we actually did a little backup homework on this. YouTube had a little special or it was on YouTube. That yes, I it was on a YouTube. About a, it's about an hour. It's about an hour or so where they're talking about just Tony Alamo. Susie, they weren't so much into detail on it. So me going into this after you guys told me about it was that, okay, I'll watch this, take a look at it, see what I like. Automatically, I hated Tony. Didn't like him at all. Not a fan. I'm expecting something of the same thing when we're talking about the Wicked Belief. No, wait. What's the show called again? Ministry of Evil. Ministry of Evil. Thank you. Ministry of Evil. And I'm thinking, all right, so... He took advantage of this lady whose name is Sue. Okay, so she's a sweetheart. He's just the abusive dude. Okay, no. Completely, I was uh, hoodwinked, as they say, mm. because uh, she's just as guilty as he is. So let's go ahead and get into it. So, of course, the credits start happening. I'm super excited to watch. Holly's super excited to watch. We actually watched it separately, and we watched it together as well. And sure enough, the first thing that comes out is... Uh, in you know in the background is that we thought that Tony and Susie were our gods. So once that said, that's what I said. I was like, oh baby, my knees got goosebumps. And then of course it opens up to the raid. Well, the raid, uh, of course, it happened to September. I think it was second. No, uh, it's September twentieth. Twentieth. That's 2008. right. September twentieth, two thousand and eight. So obviously this is within the last ten years or so. Yes. Uh, it was a it was a two year FBI investigation. There for... was a two year FBI investigation regarding child pornography. Yeah. So of course I went. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is going to be interesting. I got suckered again because next thing that popped up was. 40 years earlier. I was like, oh, man. So, yeah, they, they actually are going to do the background on how this thing all started. Yeah, so at least they kind of gave us a little taste of what happened in the future. We're going to go ahead and do the rewind. So, of course, it goes to 1969, 40 years earlier. And where? Hollywood, California. Sure enough, you see the beautiful, I like the old footage that they have of, of Hollywood and all. It's really cool. And, of course, the first one who shows up is Sue Balsley. Well, there's two Sues. 
So we'll just call her Sue B. Okay. Okay, we'll just call her Sue B. We've got Susie and Sue B. All right. Of course, Sue, Sue Balsy shows up on the thing. She starts talking about, you know, she was just a high schooler. Uh, she's just doing what high schoolers do, I guess, in Minnesota. She or, was in Minnesota. Yeah, she Minnesota. she yeah. uh, was graduated from high school, yeah. got a job paying her bills, but she decided, oh, she had a drug of choice. Yes, uh, LSD, her drug of choice on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then she mentioned that uh, they, her and her girlfriend wanted to do something different. They wanted to go find themselves. Yes, yeah, so they decided to hitchhike to California. Yeah, that's that to me, that's weird. Well, okay, so in those days, mm. hitchhiking was super popular. I mean, that was, it was popular to pick up hitchhikers, to hitchhike. I know many of my friends when we were growing up, it's the same exact era, that they would hitchhike to Santa Cruz. We were in San Jose. They would hitchhike to Santa Cruz. It was over the the mountains. Hmm. And they would just get on the freeway ramp, on ramp. Now, this now is like craziness to us. But in those days, they would just stand on the on the ramp and they put out their thumb and people would stop, pick them up, and if it was only a few miles or if it was the whole way, it just depended. So these two young ladies, I'm sure, got picked up quite a bit very easily and made their way for free because you don't pay for gas. Right. That's creepy to me. Hitchhiking nowadays? Well, Ugh. in those days, it was different. I mean, I'm sure they still had some troubles. Not So maybe... this is like the modern-day backpacking through Europe, but... I guess... Hmm. It's it's once they had a bunch of people murdered, ah, it all stopped. Killers. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, the serial killers when they really became uh, popular in the eighties, then it it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't sign me up for that. Alrighty. So now, just to let you guys know. Of course, we have another character that shows up. His name is uh, Carrie Miller. Sue and Corey. I'm sorry. Sue and Carrie kind of pop up left and right. Of course, they're going back and forth in their conversations, kind of melding it together, guys. But we're just going to break down Sue's, and then we're just going to break down Carrie's, okay? Now, how did Sue B. get involved with the Alamo Foundation? Well, to, there's a story, I guess, from what she was mentioning, is that they were on Hollywood Boulevard. Yes. And it was a flyer, and she was mentioning that she wasn't looking. She didn't feel like she was looking for anything. Yeah. But then she got a flyer. She was approached, invited to come on the bus to go to the foundation. They had a church building or some sort of meeting place where they went. How delightful. A bus ministry. Well, you know, buses are very handy to transport many people at the same time. Hmm. I'm already sensing a theme. Alrighty. So we got a bus ministry. It was a bus to heaven. I think that's yes, what it was. Yes, it was. All righty. Okay. Okay, now she talks about her first experience, her first uh, service, as yes. they called it. Uh, she saw a bunch of young hippies, which is still, of course, 1969. Mm-hmm. Summer love is already over, but still around. People are still around. Uh, a bunch of college kids, a bunch of young kids. Now, of course, we're talking mm-hmm. to Carrie. Now, Carrie is another character in this play. He comes from a non-religious family. His brother comes up to him one day and says, I feel that he wants to serve the Lord. That's what he wants to do. Of course, that shocks him because their brother's like, well, I think they're like a year apart or something. Yeah, they're like very that. close in they're age. They're very close in age. He goes with his brother to this this church, which is these guys. And, of course, he was looking around and he noticed that guys and gals were raising their hands, rolling their eyes. They started singing and he noticed that his brother was doing the same thing too. Right, and they knew all the words of the song. Yes, so he's kind of, he's feeling it. So what he's saying. So he tells uh, Susie, Susie Olamo, he was going to stick around for a semester 
and give it a shot. And, of course, what is... She just laughed like a hyena, he said, and she told him it's going to be the longest semester of your life. And he replied it was. Okay. So, then, of course, we have another interesting character that uh, pops up into our uh, play here. Now, her name is... Uh, I may say be saying it wrong because it's got a very interesting name. We're going to call her Chris. Chris... Christian. 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 Yes. Christian Coy. Now, Christian, or we'll call Chris. her Chris. Chris is the actual daughter of Sue Alamo. Mm-hmm. So she is my favorite character so far. Unfortunately, she looks like she doesn't look all that fantastic. Unfortunately, she looks like she's had a very rough life. But I love her attitude about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I have a very big soft spot for you, Chris. Of course, she starts saying first thing out is that. She's the one who started this mess. Now, when she says that, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I thought she was the good one and Tony was the bad one. So you're saying Sue Alamo was the good one. I was under my assumption after watching what I saw on YouTube. Nothing was said about Susie. It was all about Tony. Mm -hmm. So I'm like I said, I don't like him. So now I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sorry, what? She... (laughs) I'm sorry, she started this whole mess? Of course, that completely raised my eyebrows. And then when she said Tony was just extra baggage, that's where I was like, ooh. She talks about her mom about she wanted to be a movie star and something about a B-girl. Susan Alamo came out from Arkansas, Hmm. and she decided that she wanted to be a movie star. She's a very glamorous person. She's... Actually, I think she's very attractive in what she has. She, you know, did her hair well, makeup, had her... She always looked her best. Yes, she did. That was part of her trademark. Well, she was what they call the B-girl in Hollywood. Now, a B-girl is a a lady that sits at the bar and gets men to talk to her, and they buy her drinks. Mm -hmm. Well, the drink that she's having is really iced tea, and it appears that it's a drink. And, of course, the man pays the full price of the drink. And the safety is that the girl doesn't get drunk. Ah, okay. But it's a scam. Gotcha. And, yeah. you know, Susan is looking for something and for somebody for connections to the music industry or in the movie industry. So it's her way of networking. Right. No, I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, she also mentioned that her mom was a great con artist. She was an attention whore, loved to be the center of the attention. Well, now, Um, wait a second here. mm. You're right, but she didn't say those words. She said that her mother, when she walked into the room, was able to get everyone there to notice her. Mm. And, of course, she was those those words that you said, but... It's my perspective. Okay, I'm I'm not going to go, you know, word for word. (laughs) I don't think she's going to disagree with what I think. So anyway, so she starts going into this thing called doing a church. Now, doing a church is what exactly? Well, it appears that this is before she met Tony. Yeah. Well, because, real quick, I have an idea, but some of it didn't make any sense to me, so that's why I'm asking you. Well, it didn't make any sense to me, so I'm trying to piece it together. Okay, because I just looked at it From what they said. "Hmm." Before she met Tony, it was just Chris and her mother. They needed money. Obviously, Mm -hmm. she was doing other things to try to promote her career. 
But what they would do to get some cash was she had a network of churches that she would go to and visit. So on Sunday evenings, they would go to a congregation and the pastor would ask Susan, would you give us some word? Give us some word, okay? Chris would sing. Right. And then her mother would testify. And some of the testimony was that they were missionaries in Mexico and they're back up and, you know, whatever that meant. She would just fabricate a missionary story and she would say some scriptures, encourage the congregation. And evidently after that, they would give her an offering. Hmm. Okay, let's give Sister Sue, you know, an offering. So they would pass probably a second offering. And if everyone put a buck into the deal, it could be 50 bucks. And then we're talking 1960s. So that's because a lot this of money. was before Tony. Right. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So that's the way that they picked up some cash. Right. Okay, so then the next character that shows up is Benji Risha. Now, Benji, I know more about him. I was actually waiting for him to pop up in this whole thing. Because we're pretty much, you know, a quarter of the way through this already. And now on the thing that I watched on YouTube, he was pretty much the central mark of it as far as the backstory regarding Tony. Now, his story is that his father, which I don't think they covered too much into it on this TV show, but uh, what I watched was on YouTube was that him and his mother were together. They they went to this this church. Of course, she had she had him. And the thing was that he was the, uh, uh, there was really something special about the, his mother and father's relationship because his mom, I believe, was Jewish and his dad was Lebanese. Yes. So they were using them as the platform is that, see, Jewish people, Arabs can get to get, or no, his dad was Palestinian. That's what it was. Okay. And they could, they could have a relationship and they were, he was basically the miracle child. Or the peace child. The peace said. child. That's mm-hmm. what it was, peace child. So... So with him, you know, he shows up. Of course, the mom, of course, she leaves. There was a lot of pressure, and she wanted to leave. And the mother, evidently, on this documentary said, well, she only had an opportunity to go at a certain time. At a certain... So they're escaping. She's escaping. So that means there's a cultic attitude here. If you right. have to escape a place. Yeah. And she had it all set up. She was looking for... So picking up a daycare or something, mm-hmm. right? She looked for Benji, and he just so happened to be at another place at that point. She couldn't find him. She had to make that decision. She either escaped then, left him, or she would stay and maybe stay and and be trapped. She made the decision to leave. Yeah, because I think there was the one time where, I guess, his dad actually picked him up from daycare. Yes. It was the one time he never did it. It just so happened that one day... Coincidentally, mm-hmm. she, because during later on this this episode that he actually reconnected with his mom and got the full story in regards to this. But what he was told is that mom left and she was in hell or something like that. Well, she ended really up bad. dying and that was it. Yeah. She and then died, Tony she, and Susie adopted him. Because, because the dad was full in the construction of yes. everything. So he was always busy. Mm-hmm. Something to that effect. So it was a very interesting backstory. But anyway, he shows up. He mentioned that Tony, we're, now they're focusing mostly on Tony when it comes to Benji. Mm-hmm. Tony didn't have a consistent backstory. So he was pretty much labeled, they, you know, from what you're getting, he's similar to, you know, she, he's a con artist as well. Yes, he's had gone by several different names. He changed his he name changed his several, name different several different times. several different times. 
And they also mentioned that he had the uh, stones to uh, say that he once promoted the Beatles. Yes, he said that he used to be in the music industry. Yeah, he claimed a lot of stuff. He claimed mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Sue's looking for someone in yeah, the music industry. Yeah, let's tell industry. us, tell them so how course, they met. Yeah, this is hilarious. When when Chris was ta- telling the story, laughed. He said that there, it went her raspy voice, which I thought was awesome. It sounds like her mom was creepy, but it was still cool though. So they go, there they are sitting uh, in the bar talking to each other over a pitch of beer that neither of them could afford to pay for, which I was like, oh, this is gold, right? Chris also was saying that uh, Sue was looking for like a spearhead because they were doing churches apparently. So they needed to have a nice cover, I guess you could say. Well, you like mentioned... Like a face, a face to, yeah, to you, their thing. You mentioned somebody else to put on the team. Yeah. And evidently, that's who she was looking for in the, in the bar. Right. Well, sure enough, was it he leans in? She's like, after talking for a while, she leans in and talks about Jesus Christ to him or something like that? Well, yeah. She said, you know, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's, quote, unquote, winning souls. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Soul winning. Over a cigarette and beer? Yeah, right? Kind of funny, don't you think? Fast forward. To a little later on, of course, they're talking about the followers, they, which they call Jesus children. They call them Jesus children? Okay, yes. Yeah, we're, so we're already, it's kind of fast forward to where Tony and him get together and they get married. And of course, there's Tony in his rose-colored glasses. Reminds me of Jim Jones. You know, I want to say something about their relationship. Huh. It appears that she's older. It looks mm-hmm. like there. It looks like a. She might be ten years older, so or I don't more, know. More, more. But he was he, fascinated by her. Yeah. Now let's go back to she had a way with words. Mm-hmm. She obviously had control over people. Oh yeah. Okay. She had very a con- charismatic. Yes. And when you see her on her television shows, you could see how she has a commanding voice. She's very authoritative yeah. of what she's saying. She's like a pillar of strength. So he liked that about her. He was they was told that he didn't like women. Yeah. And then he met Sue at you know, Sue Alamo, she was Malamo then, but he met her and basically changed his his life. His world. It did. Yeah. They start talking about the the Jesus children. Now, my opinion, when I see all these kids, and of course they show the footage of them, and they're, you know, praising God and whatnot. You know, they're there rating on some stuff, but I'm not really listening to part of it at that point because I'm just looking at the crowd. That's just why I'm always just looking. You know, I don't want to hear what you're saying right now because I'm kind of trying to vibe on what's going on inside your church service here. They're all young kids. Well, okay, so there was hippies that were on Hollywood Boulevard, right? And they were living wherever they could live. Yeah, hand to mouth. Yeah. And so they started a street ministry. Yeah. He was all business. She was gospel. Yeah, yeah. So So they took the opportunity. He saw the opportunity, Chris said, to make money on this. And she she knew how to, to do religion. He was, he was business. She was gospel. That's what they said. Of course, they, they ended up getting a place. Uh, what was it? Uh, okay, so they the had house a, a house yeah. on Highland, off of Highland and Sunset in right. Hollywood. They, you know, they were the kind of people inviting, inviting. Oh, come on, this is our service. You don't have anywhere to stay here. Stay here, community, communal, communal living. And the kids liked it. They got saved. I believe that she preached 
the gospel. Well, when you hear her talk and teach, I mean, it's it sounds pretty good. I mean, exactly. Now Tony's not saying much, but she's no, she's, but she's the, the she's the talker. Yes, she is. And so they're finding new life in Christ, and they're excited, and they're getting other people's in, involved now. It appears that they had a lot of talent, a lot of music musical talent well, there. It, to me, like I said, with these kids, it looks like they were looking for parents. That's what mm-hmm. it kind of looks like to me. They're looking for that authority in their lives. Right. And at the time, everyone was you know moving away <laughs> from uh, their states. And they were coming to California, either San Francisco, up in the Bay Area, as New we York. noted, yeah. New York, or Los Angeles. Right. Because of the code violations, they were getting a lot of scrutiny. They decided, Susan said, you know what, we need to get a bigger place. Right. Well, I know that they were mentioning that the cops were over there all the time, specifically because, A, there was like 120 kids living in the house. A lot. A three-bedroom house. You can imagine all those people gets nasty. Of course, they decided to relocate. Decided to relocate to Saugus County. Saugus is some place that I haven't heard of for a long time. I mean, I remember it in the 70s and 80s. You know, Saugus, Saugus. You know, it's just another place like Lancaster or Palmdale. Well, they changed their name to Canyon Country. I've been there. And you didn't realize you were in Saugus. It sucked. <laughs> so Saugus, at the time, they went out to Saugus Country or Canyon Country. Or what did the, what did the BBC guy say call it? Charles Manson Country. Oh, geez. And of course, when he said that, I'm like, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Right? So they move out to Charles Manson Country. And it was 45 minutes away from Hollywood. Right. Now they're in this area. Now guess what they need to do? They got to make money. So they talk about how they all went out to go work menial jobs, mostly labor, picking cotton, uh, picking grapes, uh, doing farm work. They were talking about kind of like how the money worked. You had two to three hundred people actually doing these day labors. And of course, they had the little trick with the money. They would have about 300 people working. They would get paid weekly. The farmers or the people who would hire them would put them on a payroll. They would give them checks for their labors, like a normal thing. Well, Tony and Susan would come out every Friday. This was reported by Carrie. Yes. And each person would sign their check over to Tony and Susan. Now, at the least, they would be getting about $200 yeah. a week. Yeah, we did the math on this. Just just the low end. Yeah, this is the, the low, low end. Because he was mentioning someone were making more than that. Yeah, fi- up to 500. Two to 500 a, a week. Yeah, mm-hmm. so go ahead. So the math is about $60,000 a week, and that's in 1972 wages. Right. Or money. Yes. We figured that out. In 1972 dollars for the year, mm-hmm. it would be $3,120. It's still a lot. That's now a lot we of money. converted it into today's money. Yes. And it would be $18,900,000. And that's on the low end. That is on the low end. That's everybody making $200. Now their their talk was, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness and you are serving the God. You don't need to be paid when you serve the Lord. Right. So that's their justification because they're saying, well, we provided you with food, shelter, clothing. But evidently... That's up to question. We'll yeah, talk about that later. So, of course, you have all that money coming in. 
of course, what do you got to do? You got to set up a nonprofit to keep that money because you don't want to be paying taxes on it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's talk about their living situations, those gracious living situations. They slept 20 to 30 per room. That's And my be my favorite part is, because this is called because of the BBC who was doing that special on them. You know, you see all those kids, they, they said they're living in squalor while, was it Tony and Sue are living quite comfortably. They, they had their own nice house. <laughs> the thing flicks over to them in front of their house, in front of that big old huge Cadillac. And those kids are like practically shirtless and that's you know. true they had the very nice yeah the cadillac they had the and nice the cadillac, home the, the two-story home it wasn't a single story it was a two-story home you know they had all the nice clothing of course they did so go a little fast forward to it of course you know you have a bunch of people living here two to three hundred of course you're gonna have kids right here comes chris again in her wonderful uh, voice saying that you oh no it wasn't it was um it was sue balls it was sue yeah uh sue, sue b, sue b. So Sue B is just talking about how Susie would tell him that, look at you mothers. And of course she mentioned, you might as well put a curse word at the end of it, which I thought that was funny. But the way she, you mothers, you are lazy and this, this and that. And she goes on to mention that there's maggots in the... Evidently there was a shortage of water. Yeah. A running water. Not in There's house. a lot of children and they didn't have pampers. They had cloth diapers, so with cloth diapers, you have to wash, you don't have the water. I'm not sure how this all panned out. I'm trying to figure it out, Carl. I mean, I don't understand. You either throw the diaper away, right. or do you put it there in case maybe one day you'll get water? I Hopefully you don't put it back on the child. I'm not sure how that all worked. I yeah, really I don't. don't. So she's mentioning to it, I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute, what? I, it made no sense to me. Well, I'm per, like I said, I'm pretty sure there could have been some their edit water was perfectly fine in their There nice could house. have been some kind of editing in this this TV show, but let's go on. You know, while they're talking about this, there's a, a but they believed in them because they they believed that God spoke to them, and they're mentioning that you know He never spoke to me, but they spoke to them and okay. they believed it. Yes. So and then, so the question is, Carl, hmm. why would they stay there with their children? Being, you know, with no diapers and how we don't, what what kind of food situation was there and all the labor, you know, we're going on and on about that. So as we talk about it, they believe that uh, Tony and Sue, especially Sue, yeah. was a prophet. Yeah. Okay. She, what would they say? She was a, was it? Uh, she, uh, was she was a the prophetess. prophetess and the handmaiden of God and the body of Christ on earth. Now stop. So... <laughs> Only Tony and Susan talked to God. God talked to them. But God never talked to the regular people. Right. Now, this is a flaw in their Christianity. Yeah. Not being there, not knowing all of the teachings, except for what you might see on the surface. Right. You know, if you're a Christian and you're in a, in a traditional Christian thinking, you know, God spoke to the Old Testament people by prophets. He spoke to the New Testament by, well, you know, by Jesus. Right. And then now, as right now, believers have the Bible, okay? They have the Bible, they have the Holy Spirit, and they have other people that can help them too, counseling. Right. But this doesn't appear to be like that at all. And it's kind of interesting that this woman is put so high up that 
she's a you know drinking smoking cigarettes and later on we find out that she's abusing her own child right it doesn't make sense that she's the body of Christ on earth. I don't know where that ever I, even I, I came. Don't, I, I, Is it that something that maybe the, the 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 Jesus children just said that? Or did she ever say that? Right. Well, no, you're correct. Because it's a great question to ask. As far as I'm concerned, if you're getting paid, don't sign that check over. You kind of have a, kind of a way out, I, I think. I understand that. But as I, as I say, when you... It's not just one day this is the way you're going and another day it's a different way and you don't understand why they can't just leave. This is part of the mind control. It's part of the this, this psychology of it all and how right. humans are. Yeah. I, uh, but you don't get it, see? That's uh, well, what I, you're saying. Why, I why don't get, you just run away from it? Well, it's not always that easy. Well, I'm hard-headed, so I, I guess I can't really judge too harshly on these folks. No. But okay. at the same time, I mean... Well, yeah, we'll get into it. Okay. This one frustrated me to something like, oh, really? Maybe because, you know. Now, remember. Yeah, I know. I want to tell you that in this day and age, you had these young people who were born in the 50s, and the majority were born in the 50s, out of World War II, the baby boomers. This is all baby boomer stuff. And for some reason, something clicked when, you know, they had the hippie era, the civil unrest, all these kids doing these drugs, you know, the whole thing. And we have all these cults that we've been talking about. They're, They're all in the same in, time. They are on all in the same time frame. Right. And others will be coming along as we talk about it. Yeah, they're all in this in this this time frame. So I believe it's a societal problem that all these these cults were able to flourish plus the mind control, plus... I mean, I'm sure they had cults back in the olden days where we don't even know about them. Right. Okay, because we didn't have the written words down on right. a book about it. Of course. Evidently, the society was ripe for this, especially in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Well, no, and California. Well, no, because Carrie mentioned it, you know, saying that mind control, it was just a huge thing for him because when he was mentioning his first service, he was like, you know, she had some sort of way of... Of getting into you, which I get, but... And even Sue Balsley said when she first got there, just having these young people like herself, being that way, you know, right. praising the Lord and the vibrations of the music and gotcha. everything. Well, yeah, I mean, just with her, I mean, and then, the, you know, further on when they're talking about her fake cancer story... Being Let's go into that. Oh, this annoyed me. Chris kind of was talking about how the story always changed a little here, a little there. And regarding the being terminally cancer for six years, and they show the footage of her talking about she being the miracle that if it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for the power of the Lord, because she's a, she's a living miracle basically. She, because she, the people in the congregate, the the young people's faith and prayers are keeping her alive. Well, well yeah, because uh, uh, Carrie was mentioning that God used Susie as a barometer of the church. That's what they're talking yes. about, and how you know the Jesus children's sins. Are the reason why that they were giving her cancer, so they you know tried super hard. She would have people. Well, this was this one was kind of what really sent me for a loop. Is that you know she would have these these women pray for prayer mm -hmm. circles and that, and while she's telling her daughter, "Hey, get ready to go," all these people are praying for her cancer, quote unquote. And of course, she's saying they're going to uh, Saks Fifth Saks Avenue, Saks Fifth Avenue, and some other store I've never heard of. 
I something or other. I I Magnum. I Magnum, and then she's trying on all these dresses, and she's sitting there going, "We're sitting there trying on these dresses." Why there's other people who are just praying for her because she has cancer. Well, she never they were had praying it. and crying out to the Lord because they felt sincerely concerned about right. her health. She, on the other hand, was shopping, getting her clothes tailored. Yeah, exactly. Tailored to a perfect fit, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Now, so we're talking about Chris. We always bring up... Uh, uh, she's the daughter she, of Susan Alamo. She's the daughter of Susan Alamo. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not talking about Chris. I apologize. I'm talking about Carrie. Carrie, where he was talking about his perspective on everything that was going on because he became institutionalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he became institutionalized where he was, he was about the work and he just kind of got caught up into it you know he, he was more about the work part of it and it kind of made him yeah so institutionalizing meaning that you just follow along you do this you do that you have a routine you have your you know you just have your group it's a group thing and they they usually say institutionalized in prison yeah okay it takes you five years they'll say to get institutionalized right. or now you could be in a military situation. I mean, institutionalized is just a phrase to kind of keep you all in the there's same... There's order of things, yeah. In the order of things. Of course, there's that Rolling Stone undercover. Undercover uh, reporting of Rolling Stone. Yes. Now, truth be told, when I saw that the first time I was watching this, I totally paused it, and I totally went online, and I totally bought that Rolling Stone magazine, so I'm waiting for it to come in. Anyway, I wanted to go ahead and show that, but yeah, go ahead and... Yeah, Tim Cahill was the... Yeah, the reporter. He was the reporter, uh-huh. and he was told, "Hey, go check out this uh, Tony and Susan Alamo Foundation. They're off in Hollywood." Right. And at that point, they were in Saugus, mm-hmm. but they would go into Hollywood, you know, pick up people that wanted to go into their service. Yeah, because he was mentioning that he was trying to look forlorn. As he yeah, he was forlorn, and he got approached. They said, "Do you want to come?" "Yes, I do." He went during Easter week. Right. He stayed there for a week. Yeah. He said that's when, you know, he reported on very close quarters, not very, you couldn't take a shower. There wasn't, it wasn't very. Sanitary. Correct. But he was intrigued by what Sue Alama was saying. She was a good speaker everyone praising the Lord. He really didn't see anything negative. But, of course, he said that they were all trying to put on a good front for him. And then Chris said that, oh, yeah, we were really good Good actors. actors. Oh, no, it was Sue Bosley. It was Sue. Yeah, she mentioned that it was, they were good actors, and they showed that photo of the outside people talking to the new people, and there's Sue just staring at them like that to make sure that they were doing their... Mm-hmm. They're acting correctly. And, right. Know. And this is the love bombing that comes with cults. Right. You know, everything's great. You know, come on in. And then you find out after you're sucked in, oh, wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> he did write an article. He didn't really uncover a lot of the... Well, of the... what we'll do is later on in the wrap-up show, we'll probably talk about the, the news okay. articles that I got. So, anyway. So, of course, now we're going to talk about the TV show. They When they show on the TV screen both Susan and Tony come up, it's very clear to me that someone is much older than the other. And I'm not talking about Tony. Because it for some reason when they're on TV screen like it shows some serious age gap between the two. Well, we looked up their birthdays. Yeah, there was it Tony's nine years younger. Yeah, but it doesn't appear that on this on no, the screen. No, it looks like there's a fifteen we agree it was like about fifteen year gap. 
But I have a feeling, I have a theory on that, Mm. Carl. She was a smoker and a drinker. Ooh, yeah, nothing like a, uh, what was it, uh... Uh, unfiltered camel. I was going to say camel. (laughs) But she might have done menthols. You never know. For my fresh breath. You know what's funny about that TV show? Another thing real quick before you get into it. Is that have you noticed that when they said, when he said, when she's like, well, my God is great. He's like, yes, our God is great. You know how they had that little cutoff thing Uh where it's like, my God? Well, it's our God. But okay. Kind of like a little snafu. Because when when, when she says... It's like, oh, my God is great. It's like, yeah, our God, our God is great. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, the TV show, you know, for those days, I think we decided it was the late 70s. It looks like it. It definitely looks like it. And they had their nice gowns on. All the men were dressed up in their suits and really their hair was coiffed. nicely coiffed. I was going to say that. Coiffed? I think it's coiffed. Okay. And they were singing and did lots of talent with all the brass instruments. A lot of brass instruments. Singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tony's illustrious, glorious singing. Yeah, that was a little bit strange. And <laughs> also the, the musical numbers, some of them were real churchy. Yeah. And others were so countryfied. Yeah. And not only that... And filming it, it in Hollywood, that's the funnier part. Well, I'm not sure. I think they did that at the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, that's right. It was in Tennessee. It was at the Grand so Ole Opry. So maybe it was just the vibes coming off of the walls. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but sure had that. Well, because like I was saying, he looks like Kanye Twitty. Or Fat Elvis, one of the two. It's- I think he was about... I mean, he was an okay singer, yeah. but I'm not sure <laughs> if he... He didn't... I mean, he didn't, I mean, he, he carried a tune, I'm not saying Correct. He, was, he, you know, at least was like, it was kind of like, man, the music definitely sticks out more than you're singing, my man. Just letting you know, but A for effort. A for Yeah, effort. he would never make it in the regular no, professional no, no, no. world you know of his, singing. You know in his mind, he's like, that's right, I'm a rock star. Take, hey. Take that, Elvis. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, I'm just, I'm just... It was so bad. I'm sorry. It was just like, oh. Well, yeah. It was. Anyway, it was kind of uh, corny because it was. Well, most, it's the 70s. Yeah, I mean, and it was very, it's very different, very mm-hmm. different, very different. But no, I mean, for for the time of it was, it was very impressive. Um, they also did um, testimonials. Oh yeah, the, the testimonials. testimonials. Yeah, they seemed well. They seemed rushed, but it makes sense because they're, they're paying on, they're, for they're time. Paying for time. It's like what. One half hour. You know, it's like, dude, can't you say 30 minutes? But okay, it's just different language for an hour and a half. Wait, what? Oh, one half hour. Okay. Cause that's I think how, that's, that's the, way the terminology. The oh, okay. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, an hour and a half of this? Dude, brutal. But the girls went on and on, and they were just telling their testimonies. Boom, 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 yeah, boom, Yeah, I was like, boom. one after another mm-hmm. after another, and there's, you know, Susan, tell me about your fun at the ranch. Oh, no, that was when they had the uh, the family. Remember they had the little girl on there? Yes, that was a different show. Oh. We'll talk about it Oop, later. Fast forward on that one. Blew it. That's Good job, okay. Pal. You're welcome. <laughs> but no, they did have the uh, they you they did have that family though. They were on there multiple times, but this was the first time they were on it. When I guess was it the dad was a heroin addict? Yes. And then had the mom and dad on there. Mm-hmm. And then of course anyone who was a friend of the the ministry. The ministry or, what, or the, well, it was a friend of the ministry, not necessarily part of the yeah, ministry. Yeah, not part of it, but they... They were friendly towards it. They were thankful that their relative had found 
the Lord and was sober and yeah, doing that was, well. I mean, honestly, that was a kind of a nice piece. Kind of no, it was a nice piece to watch because you know there is the dad who was the heroin addict who's clean and sober, and yes. you know the mom's very happy and you know very joyful that you know it's the first time she had a conversation with her son with like a real conversation with son for a long time. It's really nice, but still, uh, for that time, it was for lack of a better term, it was a successful show for what it looks like. Yeah, Carrie, he mentioned about the show appeared that families were getting together, but he said that there were separation of families. Yeah, he was mentioning about it. He wanted wanted to spend time with his brother, but he found out that he actually barely spent time with his brother at all. So if you were family members in in the organization, Mm -hmm. they would be separated if... You were external family members that were against the organization, then they would be shunned. Yeah. The only outside outsiders had to be very supportive. Right. So yeah, let's also talk about the speaking with the families. You know, there's a lot of kids in this one. Mm. There's a lot of kids in in this group because it's what over 300 people. The kids were 25? the 24 of the them that were around them, right. the same age. Yeah, around the same age. Sue was very. St- was very big on discipline uh, that you kind of get, you know, not just with the adults, but definitely with the children. I think it was her mantra or her, her thing was when your kids are too big enough to spank, you slap them across the face. Yeah, that's what her daughter said. Yeah, was it Chris, Christian? Oh, no, it wasn't Christian. It, it wasn't was Christian. Subi. It was Subi. Yeah, it was Subi. There was also, Christian was talking about the discipline room. Was it Christian who was talking about the discipline room at the back behind the church? Well, there was a discipline room, and that would be in Saugus they were talking about. Yeah, it was there was Saugus. a little room where they were to beat the devil yeah, out of yeah, the kids. Yeah, because they were demon-possessed or something like that. Cause they were That's what right. the theory was on yeah. in their belief system. Yeah, so I guess in order, because Christine was saying that she had two daughters, she didn't want them near her children, which is pretty sad because that's grandma and grandpa, technically. Yes. The kids would be taken into this room with Sue and, and Tony. And from my understanding, the parents would watch while they would get beat. Yeah, I'm not quite sure who beat whom, but it didn't matter because the, the instructions were all... I don't know if Sue or Tony actually did the physical beating. They always had others do the beating. Yeah. And they would say, make sure you put your weight into it. Yeah, because if you were... Because I guess the thing was, if you didn't do it, hard enough or if you didn't you know do it like you meant to their it, satisfaction to their satisfaction then god would be displeased with you and then you know there's some sort of guilt or something like Correct. that so christian says i'm done i'm out she talks about how she goes and talks to her mom about it strike one don't ever do that if you're gonna leave just bounce well she you know went there and she said she tells her mother i'm leaving and her mother says if you leave i will kill you Okay. Yeah. That's nice to say, isn't it? You know too much, Chris. Yeah, that's what it was. You know too much. Because that's basically meaning to her daughter that this is all sham. You know. Well, which... the daughter would know for sure because she was there before it even started. That's right. She was part of the, the, the thing. She was part of the scam in the first place. Yes, when they would go do the churches. Doing the churches. Mm-hmm. I guess after that conversation, she goes downstairs to, I guess, downstairs. Chris does, right? Yeah, Christine goes downstairs. You know, she's packing things up, whatever she can find for the kids. And I guess the door was closed. And the, how did they put it? The the foundation. The, found peop, the men from the foundation. Mm-hmm. Like, some men from the foundation kicked in the door. 
I guess they beat her down. Yes. And I don't mean like just, you know, they beat her. They they jumped her. Even even Sue jumped in on this one. Well, Sue came in and started to pull her hair and claw at yeah, her face. Yeah, clawed her face. And then she said something else too. She said like, "I warned you" or something like that. Can't remember. I told you something to that effect. Yeah, I told you. I told you so. Yeah, I told you so. After she wakes up from the beating, which I'm like, oh, that's lovely. I think she's like laughing about it, thinking it took three or four guys or whatever to, to, to beat her down. Beat her but down. It, it didn't work. She, I guess she called the cops. Like somehow she had one of the children with her, one of her daughters. The cops came. Obviously cops came and got her, obviously, and took her to the station. And because she couldn't take both kids because one, the father of the youngest child... Yeah, was, was youngest, still yeah. on the compound. Right. So I guess I guess he had her. They entered the the police station. And I guess she was saying that the phone was ringing and the uh, what's the guy who who usually is the shift the shift manager or whatever what do they call it the, sh- the desk? Anyway, the phone call rang and said the phone's for her. Yes. And I guess they made a deal said hey, if you don't sign anything or press charges whatnot, we'll let you have the other baby. And of course, the good thing is kudos Christian that she admits it. She's like, oh, if you were in my position, you wouldn't have done the same thing. Well, she was a true mother who loved her kids. She just wanted to get out of there. She just wanted to get her and her daughters and get out. Yeah, so she made struck the deal. She was driven back. She was got the kids, and she left. Correct. And then she was out, and I think that was before they moved to Arkansas. That was because Carrie was mentioning that they did a, a, a snub piece on her or talking... Oh, yeah, well, of course, they would have to, once she left, they would have to discredit Chris. Yeah, so he was mentioning that they were, you know, saying she's going to hell and all that kind of stuff, so using her as an example. Well, once you go back out into the world. Yeah, going to hell. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. I never did hear the exact teaching on all of that, how if you leave them or any of that, you're always constantly going to hell. That just eliminates Jesus Christ all the way out of it. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how they reckoned that. Um, maybe we'll find out later. Maybe, maybe. So after, the, after you know, she, Christine leaves, of course, there's now their exit from Saugus. Because there's a few things, the reason why they left. A, okay, I just drew a blank. What was it? Well, the reason they left was because evidently, according to Susie... Mm. God uh, supernaturally came and told her oh, to go right. back to the Bible Belt yeah, in Arkansas. The, yeah, back where, where the she Gosp- got her first vision or yes, something like that. Yes, oh, yeah. she had her first vision there. She also knew about Arkansas. It was where the gospel was strong. Yeah, she, she mentioned that in the, uh, in the TV show. Yes. And then, of course, she's saying that Arkansas was like the promised land. The real one was because... There was less scrutiny from the government. And less regulation. And because much less regulation. the state of California was, they were suspecting the free labor. Yeah. Yeah, they were investigating on where all the money was coming from. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they were talking about in that news reel where that British guy noticed that the, the Jesus children yes. were living in squalor, where Tony and Sue were living in this really nice house. So once that comes out, hey, it's time to figure it out. So the neat thing about what they did was they went to Arkansas and their I-40 that goes all the way across the United States, there was a little break in it. It is near Dyer, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Now they decided 
on that because it was in a tri-state area. There's Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Yeah. And anytime they felt that something might be going south, meaning that it's not going well, they could just move jump over. States. Jump states. Jump state lines mm-hmm. real quick, yeah. So they ended up setting up a bunch of businesses. Yeah, they Now did. they had a grocery store, a gas mm-hmm. station, a restaurant, and uh, later on a trucking company. Very lucrative trucking company. Now all of these people that worked in these these businesses were not paid. No. They were volunteers. The quote-unquote volunteer labor. And I guess when they were talking about Tony, when talking to Tony about it, he was mentioning they were taking a loss every year and all that kind of stuff. And technically, since, you know, the foundation provides for all their needs, you know, and I guess the story was that their needs are provided, so there's no point in, you know, serving God is the work. I think something to that effect. Yes, yeah, something to that yeah. effect. Well, you know, when you do have a 501c3, which is the nonprofit status that they had, mm-hmm. people work for nonprofits and they actually get paid. Like, for instance, if you were to work for the food bank nearby, there are volunteers, but they only do, you know, a few hours and then yeah. they go home. Yeah. But a 40 hour a week? No, they do not volunteer 40 hours. They get a paycheck. Yes, they do. Because that's the law. Yeah. So, of course, when they're there, they need a place to stay. The simple place called the Georgia Ridge. Now, that's their compound. Now, Georgia Ridge, the way they set it up or how Carrie's explained it, there's two entryway points, I guess. There's two ways in. Kind of reminds me of one way in, one way out. Two men under one man leaving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the thunder dome. Yeah, there's two entryways, and of course, there were guards 24-7. You were never alone, never allowed to have alone time. Mm-hmm. Always doing Bible studies, always reading your Bible with another person, or you're listening to, I guess you were saying, like recordings and stuff. You yeah. know, this kind of sounds familiar, Carl. Yeah, very Jim Jonesy. Yeah, just like when they were in Jonestown. Yep. And also, don't remember, you know, Tony's wearing them beautiful rose-colored glasses, too. You know what? In that respect... I think that was sort of the style. You think? I don't think so. Well, don't think of Elvis. He didn't wear those glasses. Well, did I he? don't know. We mean we might need to look on Google Images because, to see. Because okay, because you see Jim Jones there, David Koresh, I think wore those things too. I don't know. It's um, kind of an interesting theory. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know somebody go. Why are they the same? They because they both have the same look. But it was around the same. Time. Era. I just like, oh wow, rose colored glasses. Shocked? No. But you're probably right. Probably was a style in the 70s. But yeah, so they were always alone and all that kind of stuff. So now I guess Tony and Susan used the kids to keep the parents in in the ministry. We're talking about the 24 kids specifically. The 24 kids, okay. Yeah. Now, also the culture with that wanting to keep the kids there is there is that tattletale culture yes it's the reporting culture so the kids would report on their parents the parents on their kids the kids on the kids the adults on the adults it's it's a typical culty. cult move yeah it is i mean we know other cults that use that same mentality yes mm-hmm. well because also too they were mentioning that they did that because they didn't want to go to hell so the fear yeah, that's of- 
I I don't understand that yet. We're gonna have to get to the bottom of that We're and explain sure it. They will probably. I want tell us. to get that explained why they felt that way. No, it's a, it's a it's a great question to ask. During this time, this is where the spankings slash beatings. Yeah, they were more than spankings. Yeah, started to come into play, and now the now this is the end of the episode that they end it with this phrase, where it says first they broke your mind, then your soul, and now it's time to break your body, and then, done. So, whoo, episode one. Yeah, uh, I believe episode two is gonna ramp up a bit. Oh yes, oh absolutely, I'm looking forward to it not like i my curiosity wants to see it but it it goes to that point where i'm in my brain now it's like okay there's got to be a point to where like for example when when we talk about the other belief systems mm-hmm. there's like a slow kind of you know slow pain little things come in and then but the, this right here is like from one extreme to another kind of thing yeah that's the kind of vibe i'm getting it's just like everything was great, and the next thing you know, switch went on, and then yes, the, and we're I think we're gonna find out what that switch is, what yeah. what happens as we go along in the timeline, and this one is very troubling. It's disturbing, actually. It's disturbing, but like I said, we'll we'll have we'll time have to talk about that. Plenty of more questions after the second episode, I'm pretty sure. So. All right, on that, once again, thank you for listening to us, guys. Give us five stars. Let us know what you think. You know how to reach us. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl.